Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control BallQuest.com podcast, the mailbag edition on this Friday with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us. Lots going on. I would give us a big opening question, but it's all the questions we know that everybody's wanting to talk about, and that's obviously this college football season. So, guys, I'm going to jump right into this thing. Again, you can check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. You can check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com, or you can check them out on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Uh, great things happening with that company right now. We're certainly so appreciative of their partnership with us and uh, their willingness to sponsor us on the podcast here. And uh, we'll tell you more about them coming up a, a little bit later in the podcast. But if you got any uh, air conditioning needs, they're the company you need to call uh, in this East Tennessee area because they can take care of you immediately. All right, let's go to Signal Vol here. He says, I know it's been asked, but would the SEC play if they're the only conference willing to do so? At this point, it seems like the Big 12 and the ACC will move forward too. How likely do you think a season is at this point? And then a second question of that, how are the freshman wideouts looking? Are you still thinking Hyatt makes mo is most likely to make the biggest impact this season? Um, I'm not changing my stance on Hyatt. Austin, I know you've been on that Hyatt uh, conversation as well. Uh, I like Hyatt because he can stretch the field vertically. I like his height. His willingness to high point the ball, I think he fits what Tennessee's looking for in, in a downfield threat. And I think that he's more of a complete wide receiver than even Tennessee knew. Uh, and that's kind of been the, the indication given to me is, you know, we knew he was good. We knew he could run. But we, not, we weren't sure he was this good. And so, uh, you know, I, I think he's been a uh, very much a pleasant surprise, more even more than they thought. Um, as far as uh, the SEC going it alone, I had one person tell me this week uh, down, in, down in Birmingham that, you know, that the SEC was prepared to do that. I personally don't believe that would happen. I personally think that the SEC, as long as they have a run partner, would play this fall. But Rob, going alone – Yeah, Rob, that's a skinny limb to be crawled out, crawled out on at this point in time, I, I think. I, I'm with you, Austin. I think – it's hard to go out there. Rob, I don't know where you feel on that. I'll get you your, your viewpoint on that. And, and, Rob, how likely do you think there is going to be a season at this point? I mean, as of today, I feel more optimistic about it than I felt, you know, a week ago. Certainly more optimistic than I felt two weeks ago. But as for going to the line, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think you just open yourself up to getting ripped, you know, if, if things don't go well, if you have problems. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that, that they would do that. Yeah, I, I can't see anybody doing it alone. I, I think you got to have, I think as running mates is the best way to say it. You got to have running mates with you there. All right, four two three volunteer. Yes or no? Have UT coaches reached out to, been contacted by any Big Ten, Pac twelve players who would potentially be trying to get out uh, if they're allowed and, and ultimately end up doing so? You know, Austin, I don't know any specifics. I'm sure there's been a lot of roster checking. There's probably been some conversations or a you know, direct message sent or something like that. I, I still think this about transfers, big picture. And, and that is, is a head coach out there willing to give up an initial in the class he's, he's getting ready to sign for a transfer, Rob, if you don't know if you're for sure guaranteed 10 games this season? Are you willing to say, hey, I'm only going to sign 22, 23, or 24 depending on the number of transfers you take, for hopes that you get help in the 2020 season, but you may not get to play that season. Justin Fields, okay. 
But outside of a couple marquee names, Rob, how many how many guys are coaches willing to take right now? I, think, I mean, I think you bring up a great point. The, just with the uncertainty of the schedule, um, and you know, is there even going to be a playoff? I mean, you know, that's the, that's the ultimate prize everybody's chasing. I mean, do we even have that? I mean, bowl games seem highly unlikely, you know, to me right now. So, I'm, I mean, unless it's just a you know, as you mentioned, unless it's, you know, Justin Field or, you know, somebody of that ilk, I think it's tough to do, man, and, and you know, take take a spot for next year when there's so much chaos right now and uncertainty. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I just don't think Tennessee – who they don't have a they – they don't have any initials that they can back count or anything. So, they would have to be taken away from this 2021 class. They don't want to do that. They don't have – they'll be struggling to figure out the spots as is. You, you guys brought up Justin Fields. Yeah, but I mean, let's say he he ain't coming here. I mean, I you know, he's he's likely either not going to play. He probably just not going to play. Well, I'll just use him as I mean, I think it would have to be. No, a I know you're, you're talking about the crim- the yeah, crim- you have the crim- to be, whether it, it don't have to be a quarterback either. I mean, if if a if you know if Micah Parsons said it's got to uh, be an actually, it's got to be an elite go SEC. It's got to be an elite top ten fifteen. You know, I mean, it's got to be a game-changing guy. I mean, you're not going to take like Micah Parsons. I mean, right. yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's. If you're not going to take – even then, that's asking a lot of Justin Fields or anybody like that to be able to come in here and, and in three weeks be, boom, ready to go, ready to play, and, and make a huge impact. Yeah, I just think you it's – I think a lot of those guys are going to be sitting right where they're at. I mean, I know everybody yeah. was expecting hundreds to go into the transfer portal. I just don't think that's realistic with where everything stands and the continued uncertainties out there right now. Let's go to Logan Bartlett. Two unrelated questions. Have you heard any discussions about spacing out the games every other week so that games could be easily rescheduled uh, when there's inevitably an outbreak on a team? And then two, recruiting question. What's been the big change for Mims with Tennessee? Tennessee at one point was 10th out of his 10 schools. Now they're in the top two or three. That's pretty wild. What's happened there? Which of our recruits is he closest with besides Cody Brown? So let's go. Let's, really, let's go with the Mims question first. You want to do that? Yeah, I think Tennessee's just done a nice job of, of kind of showing that hey, you know, you can be the guy here. You can come be a, you know, a, a guy that plays right away. You know, look at what we did last year with Wanye. Um, you know, when you get here, Wanye would be a junior. Um, you know, and even then, like, no, the right side is is by no means solidified. So. Uh, Tennessee's just done a nice job of recruiting him. Shelton Felton deserves a ton of credit here. He and Brian Niedermeyer have done a really good job with Amarius Mims. You know, he's close with Cody. Um, you know, I, I don't know that he's super close with anybody else in the class, though. Um, you know, I think Julian Nixon has, has worked on him some, but those guys really kind of two different parts of, you know, of, of Georgia. So, um, I know he's close with Cody. That's the only one I know he's super close with. I just think the staff's done a nice job of recruiting. What was his first question, Brent? The question about spacing out the season, putting off dates in there. We know that they're not going to. Yeah, I know correct. That's, floated, that's been floated about by some people. There's been some coaches out there say, hey, you know, you take three months to work in your games, put a week in between them or play a couple times a month or, or you know, even one, one month maybe play three times and, and go in that way. But if you're going to go 10 game season starting on the 26th and you're going to play the SEC championship game on the date they announced, you're not spacing it out like that. There's not enough weeks. So that, that's not going to be in the plans. It was, a, it was in one of the 
gazillion plans to discuss, but that's not where they ended up landing uh, when they announced what their plan was for the fall, which was the 10-game the conference-only schedule. Um, all right, volunteered 87 with another question here, two recruiting questions. Uh, what's the story on Jim Chaney? Don't hear about much him, don't hear much about him on the recruiting trail. Hear a lot more about Ansley. Um, and, and obviously Jeremy Pruitt working the recruiting trail. Why do you not hear more about Chaney? And two, uh, can you give any insight to what a virtual visit looks like? Well, I, I think what Jim Chaney is, is Jim Chaney is a sneaky good recruiter, but he's not ever going to be the lead guy. He's a guy you, you, you know, you bring in as, as the, you know, I won't say closer, but he, he's more kind of like that number two, you know, or if you want to go to the baseball analogy, he's the middle reliever. You know, he's not going to get things started. He's not necessarily going to close, but he does a nice job of coming in. He's a really good relationship builder. Kids honestly really like Jim Chaney a ton. He's honest, uh, but in a way that like, you know, doesn't rub anybody the wrong way. And uh, he does a lot of stuff with the offensive linemen. And he does a lot of stuff with the quarterbacks. And then, of course, he has a say in other positions. And don't you really think – I mean, he's a great guy on home visits. You know, great guy in the living room, a great guy when, you know, kids and families are on campus, they're in the office eating, eating meals. I mean, as you talk about relationship, I think, I think you can just see he does a really good job of building rapport with people, making them feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's just his natural personality. But too. he's not going to call 50 kids a week no. on the phone. No, nor nor is he going to get in a, you know land in a, in a city and get in a car and drive for four days going to evaluate some guys that way. That's just not where he's at at this point uh, in, in his career or anything like that. Austin, do you know what a virtual? And there are two different types of virtual tours. Really, there's the one that is a true virtual tour that a kid watches on um, online and, and participates in that way. And then there's these others where a kid comes to campus and bounces around to you know, different spots on campus and, and has FaceTime calls with coaches and that type of thing, right? Yeah, the 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 one like <clears throat> Amarius Mims had, the one like Cayman Marley had, which were they come to campus, Tennessee drops a pin at the torch. Kid goes to the torch, he FaceTimes with so-and-so. They drop another pin. It's at the academic center. Family drives over there. They stand out. I mean, they literally stand outside on the sidewalk. They FaceTime with academic people. They drop another pin here, and they FaceTime with, you know, Tennessee strength staff. You know, that's what, how that works. I mean, it's not flashy, obviously, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, and I, and, I know on the basketball side, not, you know, much more informal than a virtual visit like that. I mean, the coaches are calling kids up while they're doing workouts and showing them the drills, showing them, you know, Rick – working with kids, you know, how, what, what's, you know, explaining what this is for, what's that for, and, uh, you know, just trying to be creative. All right, let's go to, uh, where was I at here? Uh, Pope Foret. Thoughts on the total scholarship numbers for football next year, given what the NCAA came out and said on Wednesday regarding conferences that aren't going to play and are players playing less than 50% of the games. How will this impact our recruiting? I think the scholarship thing, Rob, I'll start with you, is going to be fascinating. If that's what they're going to – and that's where they're landing is, is that if you don't play more than 50% of your games, that you don't lose the year. Seniors have a chance – you know, can get their year back, can have another year. 
you got to go past 85 scholarships. Oh, no doubt. Okay. Here's the other thing, too, that nobody wants to remember in, in any of this stuff. They did, they did the same thing in the spring with spring sports. And there were schools, even Power 5 schools, such as Wisconsin, who said, we're not honoring those seniors with that extra year. We're, we're not financially going to do it. There will be some in the football world, and that's what, this is what he's asking about. He's not asking about volleyball or women's soccer. There's some in the football world where a coach is going to tell a senior, we're good. We're good. We're, we're, we're moving on. So I think the 85 number has to get tweaked, but I don't know that it's going to go to 120, you know, or anything crazy like that. And then some schools will have to make some interesting decisions financially. Power five level, not going to be an issue there. Some lower, you know, group of five schools and down. I, I don't know how they manage those. I mean, it, it's just the case that it is. I know, you know, Austin, you and I had a conversation in our trip to, to Memphis in the car with somebody just talking about what, what do you do with some – like, what if a senior is graduating in December, okay, and he wasn't really going to be a factor? Are you going to tell him to hang around for spring football? Or are you going to kind of shuffle on out the door there? I, I, think, I think coaches are going to have some really interesting decisions in roster management and before they can start making those decisions, they got to know what the NCAA number looks like, and they got to know what their school's going to look like policy-wise with those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think all of those questions have to be answered. If they're going to make it, let's say, you know, not even 110, let's say they make it one, 100, you can go 15 over. Then I, I think that a lot of it depends on how deep you are to position, um, and, and, and then what kind of kid, the, you know, what kind of kid the kid is, I mean, you know, they're not going to, you know, if the kid's not really a factor on the field and he's got any kind of problems off the field, those kind of guys are going to be pushed on, pushed on to an, another chapter of their life. So, uh, you know, I, I think that multiple things you kind of weigh, but you're right. Finding out how many of the NCAA is going to let you have, finding out what Tennessee's, uh, or, or that particular school, for that matter, uh, kind of stance on this because, you know, obviously this school continue to cost more and more money for the university. Yes, abs I mean, absolutely. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how all that plays out. There's, there's, I mean, obviously we're trying to get to games, but how this fall looks from a recruiting standpoint and how that's handled on so many fronts, I mean, that, that may be a podcast we do all to its own here in the coming days as we start to get a little more questions, because this is going to get really intriguing with some of the decisions that schools will have to make based on what the NCAA decides to do from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah. I mean, that's what we did with Jesse. I mean, he had a chance to come back for another year and we just said, nah, you're good. You need to go on. <laughs> Let's go to, you're terrible. Let's go to JL Tucker. That one got me right there. With limited spots available and needs on the offensive-defensive line, why is Tennessee still pursuing defensive backs? And who out of the current commitments are the Vols looking at as safeties versus corners, Austin Price? Break them down. Why are they well, pursuing more DBs? Well, well, first of all, why are, they, why are they pursuing more DBs when they're sitting where they are with this class? Numbers Because they can get better. I mean, you know – why, why does Tennessee talk to, you know, again, and I'm not naming names because I do not drawing attention to anything, but Tennessee's got positions where they are full, but they're still talking to other players that, you know, play that same position. Why? Because you don't know what's going to happen. Well, what's to say, 
that Auburn doesn't come in. Auburn's still swinging on Cody Brown. They call him every day. Cadillac Williams wears Cody Brown out. So would it does it not behoove Tennessee to at least, you know, do your due diligence and continue to at least, you know, kick the tires? Not even really kick the tires, but just, you try know. Try to keep it warm. Try to keep in yeah, play with somebody. Keep it warm. Just stay in contact. Just right, right. Don't go stale on, on guys that maybe, you know, they weren't your top guy, but, you know. That, that, that you know you still like him if you were to lose somebody so um you know that's definitely how Tennessee is a cornerback they're they're trying to get better at that position so they can add Nylon Green Terry on Arnold I mean you know no offense to you know some of those kids that are committed but you know they'll fall by the wayside all right with uh Pope going down the tight end position se- position seems fairly shaky can you guys give an old man hope for this position in 2020 Love the tight end recruiting for 21, but the current crop of tight ends have me worried. I think we've all been talking about tight end for months, how this thing – where do they find the bodies at? For now, with Pope out, it's even harder. Well, and, of course, what's the deal with Austin? If he's coming back off eight weeks, if if, you know, which is eight to 12-week recovery for what happened, if he comes back on the front end of that, that's back in time right about the start of the season, which means he needs probably a couple of weeks to kind of get himself ready and – stuff um you know so he maybe he's ready by week three um outside of that i mean i don't think there is much hope i mean i don't you know sean brown's got more talent than jackson low but either one of those is cracking the field this year it'll be sean brown you know jacob warren you know uh, still you know we'll probably will play some but not a ton uh for instance fans the most talented guy in that room as far as just route runner athlete pass catcher but, you know, he's still got flaws in his game. I brought it up all offseason long. Of course, I've said Jameer Johnson. I don't think it's going to be Jameer, but I do think Tennessee will experiment some with offensive linemen playing the tight end position, whether that's, uh, you know, a guy like Riley Locklear, whether that's a guy like Cooper Mays. I think Tennessee will at least give those kids some looks there because, let's face it, Tennessee – led the league in two tight end sets, but they don't throw to the tight end a whole lot. So if they're able to get an extra blocker out there to go along with what is already a really pretty solid offensive line or should be, whether the Cages get el- gets eligible or not, then Tennessee's offensive line only gets better. Going to be a big body play there, Rob. I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be a big body from the offensive line who's going to end up being in a two tight end set for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see Jim Chaney get creative. And to Austin's point about not throwing to the tight end a lot, I mean, uh, the second guy, you know, I think I think you can get away with it easy because what Pope have last year? Four catches? I mean, it's not like – you're not worried about it in the passing game. It's it's the versatility that, that he gave you in the run game that, that you're going to be missing. Yes, I agree. So, that some, some big bodies coming into play there, in my opinion, before it's all – said and done um, with this team at the tight end position. Birdie Man in Texas wants to know everybody's opinion. Big 12, Pac-12, cancellations. Which which issue was the real driving concern? Coronavirus or the players' threats of organizing and forming a union or players' association? Obviously, the virus was a huge concern, but interested in your thoughts. Read the story today. I don't know who wrote it, but I read it today um, that the Pac-12 – after a medical report from a PowerPoint presentation regarding the effects of the virus on the heart, um, 
left them moving in a direction to join the Big Ten rather quickly. I think they were always going to join the Big Ten. You know, I think as soon as the Big Ten canceled, the Pac-12 was going to go, regardless of what information that they got. But there's enough there's enough stuff written out there that I think that had a real effect. Um, the thing with the players' union and, and, and the association, I don't know how one of those works when those guys revolve every three to four years. Yeah. I mean, you know, so what? So is Trevor Lawrence supposed to be the president? If they form one, is he going to be the president for four months here? You know, and then somebody else goes – I mean, the NFL Players Association has eight tenure veterans who are helping making decisions, working with the league on stuff. I've always thought that was going to be the challenge for, for a college player. You're not going to put an 18-year-old freshman on the committee and say, hey, you're making decisions for everybody until you leave for the NFL in the next two or three years or, or whatever. That thing's always a revolving door. So I, I think forming one of those associations uh, or unions or whatever, I've always said it's going to be difficult because of how quickly those things turn over. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more about the, the virus and, you know, liability, bad bad PR. That's, I mean, that, that's where I lean strongly. All right, Uberball 5, <clears throat> any word on whether the SEC will change the future cross-division rotation to reflect changes made for this year? The impression I'm getting is that it won't change the future rotation. That doesn't make sense to me. What's the rationale? Just the SEC is wanting to protect certain teams. I think the easiest thing to do is this is a one-off and you go back into your rotation next year. You totally don't, agree. You don't, you don't retweak all that stuff. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, Tennessee, for that matter, just played Auburn. They're not supposed to play A&M until, you know, 2024, 2023, whatever it is. Point is, is like, I mean, think about it. A&M's never been here before, and all of a sudden their fans are not going to be able to come, you know, and then go back into that 12-year cycle again. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, you know, to me it makes the most sense just to say this is the anomaly one-off and, you know, is what it is. All right. With no visits in September, do you see any Vol targets moving up their decision dates? The Vol is going to fend off Alabama for uh, William Parker Griffin. And is Aura take right now? Um, in my opinion, yes. Uh, or yes. is a take? What was the first question? Well, let's go back through. So, in your opinion, or is a take? I agree with you. Tennessee going to fend off Bama for Parker Griffin? You're saying yes. Yes. And do you see guys moving their decision dates up? with no visits and, and no evaluation going on with, with the, the, N, the NCAA dead period through September? You know, I could see TID deciding, okay, I'm not – I mean, uh, they're likely not going to make – you know, let I me mean, think about it. We talk with Kennedy Chandler out there, and, you know, <laughs> Kennedy's here in what, Brent? It, no, November would be – you know, it, we're going to be dead at least through November is what he, is what he had heard from – uh, I think it was North Carolina. Right. Who's desperately, who's, who had been desperately trying to get him on campus, but obviously can't for a visit. So he was told yeah, so I mean, like, in November. Which means if they're dead, then football's dead. And so, I, you know, I could see some kids moving it up. You know, yeah, why I could, not? I, mean, I, could see some, I could see some kids moving it back because you know they're probably – that signing day in February is now probably – a very flexible situation. I could see some kids waiting until they can make visits. Well, it's like Smile Monday. Smile Monday, I think, wanted to take visits and wait. But if he don't think he's going to get to, he told me that, you know, I don't have to take those visits. I'm comfortable having visited all the schools that are in my top five. Well, I think it's interesting 
if they don't touch the early signing date in December, what kind of pressure do those kids feel to sign in December, even though they haven't seen someplace? Because you know every coach out there is going to be hammering that. Well, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the spring, and we got a limited number of spots. Now, it's an interesting PR play, if you know, but, um, you know, those kids are going to feel pressure to sign in December if nothing's done about the December signing date. Um, so, but then there may be somebody who says, you know what, I'm good enough for everybody's hold a spot for me. I'm not doing anything until I visit. I mean, Mims would be one of those who could do that without any question. You know, I mean, if he wanted to wait until signing day in February, March, whenever the second one might be, everybody's going to hold a spot for him. Uh, but a lot of kids out there aren't going to get a spot, and they're going to get told that they may get squeezed out if they're not careful, which is why I think the bulk will sign in December unless they change that December signing date. Vol, I am. Who pops first, Kennedy Chandler or TID? Rob, what do you think? I think Kennedy Chandler. <laughs> I think Kennedy Chandler. Maybe in a bit, right? Maybe, um, depending on what time we post this, it may have happened. Um, Diego Pound seems to be trending to Penn State. Rob, losing traction there. Or Austin, losing traction there with Diego Pounds. Yeah, again, we talked – I said this in the war room last week. Uh, he just seems like, you know, he likes Tennessee, but doesn't like it Tennessee enough to get to that point. You know, and I feel like a similar way with Christian Zachary to a degree. I mean, you know, likes Tennessee a lot, but thinks still holding out hope that Alabama is going to be, uh, you know, come hard for him and be willing to take him, you know. So, he likes the flashy object. Will Tennessee be patient enough and be sitting there in the end? I think so. But, you know, again, the kid would love for Alabama to take him. I think Diego would love for – you know, some of those bigger name schools to, you know, and schools that have been in the playoff, you know, and Penn State's at least been right there as a 10-win football team, um, you know, something similar. All right, Ballman 56, when should we expect the schedule to be released? And do you expect us to play all five of our top 15 opponents in a row? Would you also expect uh, us all top 15 opponents we play to either have a cupcake or a buy prior to us. <laughs> I, I will be shocked if the, the schedule is not released when Paul Feinbaum goes off the air on Tuesday. Next week? At, on next Tuesday? By, by, by next, it could happen today on Paul Feinbaum, Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> I think if it, when he goes off the air on Tuesday, I'll be stunned if it's not out by then. Yeah, and I do think that it will not look the way it does now. I think it will have shakeups in it. I don't think they're just going to plug and play – in a couple of weeks there. I think some things will get bounced around. I'm not convinced that Florida is going to be the first game of the season. Um, it might be, but, but we'll see that that thing might get, um, you know, bounced around and, and it may look a little bit, a little bit different when it's all said and done. JL Tucker, how big of a threat is Clemson for Ty Simpson? I think Austin, he's the only threat to Tennessee at this point. Clemson. Yeah. I think Clemson is the only threat. I, I you know, he's going to play the, you know, Alabama and Florida and all those that whatever that's fine <laughs> you can keep playing it down the middle to me it's Tennessee and Clemson and, and, and there's really nobody else close um you know and and right now I still like Tennessee's chances all right JL Tucker back with another recruiting question here where's Tennessee with offensive tackles would they take two more if they could get right if they could get the right two yes okay we only got one you think you think Parker you think Parker Griffin Parker Parker Griffin you think he's an inside or outside guy? I think he's an inside guy who could play outside. But they didn't Cade's sign an any. inside. Cade's an inside guy 
who can play outside. Right. I, you know, I think William, William Griffin is, or William Park, whatever. The whole name change has never – it's been a struggle for me. Um, William Griffin Parker. Big Will. Um, uh, you know, why can't he have cool initials like TID, you know? <laughs> um, but um, Big Will, I, I think that, you know, he's a right tackle if he's an outside guy. You know, but either way, Tennessee uh, covets him very, very much. And also, you got to remember, R.J. Perry's probably going to end up being an outside guy on the offensive line when it's all said and done, even though he yes. was not he was not a offensive tackle signed a year ago. All right, quickly here, um, let's run through another one. Uh, AEP has said Ty Simpson's clearly the number one target for the staff as a prospect. Who does he compare to coming out of high school? He remind you of anybody after seeing him this week? AP? Oh, you know, I not necessarily because, you know, I mean, you look at the guys Tennessee's recruited over the years, and I don't think anybody's like him. Um, you know, because Pey- Peyton's well before my time. But, I mean, like, you know, he's a better athlete than Casey was, a uh, different kind of guy than what Ainge was. Um you know, he's got, a, he's got a good he's got a good arm, but great accuracy. He doesn't have great height. There's not really anybody really to compare him to that way. Yeah, not that his height's a problem because that's changed. You know, I mean, if he were 15 years ago, everybody'd be going crazy because he's not six four. But he's a better athlete, as you mentioned, who can use his feet and move around. But the height he throws from different arm angles. Yeah, and the height's no concern. The thing that jumped out to me in watching him this week when we saw him practice, the accuracy with the football. I mean, he puts it in spots. I mean, he, he's, he's really accurate with the football. I think that's the best thing. You know, I've seen him work out before, but I really like the, the way he is, uh, the, the accuracy he has. All right. Couple- accurate, accuracy, and, and I'll say this. I said last week on the podcast that I think he's Tennessee's most important recruit in I think maybe 15 or 20 years. And I, I, after spending time with him, that kind of statement I don't think would bother him. I think he's got broad shoulders, and he's so polished he could be able to handle that kind of pressure. Yeah, I like his mental makeup. I don't think there's any doubt about that one. I, I mean, I think that's the thing. All right, um, should Tennessee be worried about Auburn with Brooks, Cody Brown, and Mims? Sure. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, I, I think Auburn's somebody you always have to worry about. Um, history you know, history I, is a great teacher. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think Dylan Brooks is really solid, and I think Cody Brown's really solid. Now, I don't think either one are going to stop looking at their phones when they get a text from Auburn. I don't think either one of them are going to, you know, start turning away phone calls. But I don't think that they've had any kind of inclination to take a real hard look at the Tigers. All I right. think they're very solid to Tennessee. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. JG comes down with COVID out two weeks. Who's starting? I'm going Brian Maurer. Anybody else take anybody different? I think it depends on what, what point in the season, how far along, you know, how many reps is Harrison Bailey. If it's early, I'm, I totally agree with you, Brian Maurer. Single wing with Eric Gray. Single wing. <laughs> nice. All right, Bud Wrigley wants to know, do you think schools not playing in the fall hurts their chances with 21 recruits? And conversely, does a spring season followed by a fall give them an advantage on visits with 22 recruits? I think that that it hurts 22s. I mean, how many guys have we talked to in the last 
week or even the last month, Brent, when we went out and did these, these trips that you say, you know, had Tennessee been able to see Cody Jones and how much he's grown this, this spring and summer, how much would that have changed? Yeah, they're recruiting him. They're recruiting him hard, but I think it would have, they'd be even harder on him had they seen him. Um, you know, I, I think that goes that way with a lot of guys. Think about the kid at Oak Ridge. Tennessee offers him Kendall Jackson. But does he have more offers if he's able to go in camp places this spring and summer? I think if you're a 22 kid and you weren't already on the map, then I think you're further behind than you, than you were before. I will say this, and, and the other part of his question, too, I think it's a good point, Austin. But, Rob, I think this is kind of intriguing. I, I do think it makes it harder to get those kids on campus, for the 22 kids on campus, for a spring visit at places that are not playing compared to places that are playing if you're allowed to visit. I mean, is a kid going to come watch spring practice in the SEC if the SEC plays the season, or is he going to go watch Ohio State play somebody in the spring if they have spring football? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think it hurts those leagues perception-wise. I mean, he's going to kill Ohio State's program or even Penn State or Michigan, no. But, I mean, I, at the same time, I mean, they're not going to be in the public consciousness for, you know, for months. I mean, I think it – and it'll be used against them. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they'll try to use it to their advantage with, with parents and families, you know, hey – you can see what's more important to us is the safety and well-being of your kid, whereas the SEC is – these schools will be able to sell, hey, it just means more. <laughs> All right. Um, Go Vols 1997, when's Tennessee get to practice with pads on? What is that, five days in, Austin? Yep. In the They'll next go week. two days in T-shirts or jerseys and a helmet, whatever you want to call it. Uh, two days uh, in shells, and then day five will be first day in pads. I, they start practice Monday, but I'm not so sure Tennessee's going to practice five times in a row. Right. You know, I think it'll probably be Monday of the following week before they get into full pads. But they can do a lot in just shells. Absolutely. And, again, they should be pretty good ways into things with the installs thanks to the these OTAs that they've had the last few weeks here. All right, last question. We're out the door. Pine Mountain Ball wants to know which position groups do you consider SEC ready? Which one still needs some improvement for this schedule? I think the line of scrimmage is SEC ready. I think they're SEC ready at corner because of the production they've had there. I think Henry T is SEC ready, so that makes them pretty ready at linebacker. I don't think they're ready necessarily at outside linebacker off the edge. They're not ready at tight end, unproven at wide receiver. Otherwise, this is a pretty SEC ready football team. Doesn't mean they're going to go nine and one, but they've got experience at the other positions in SEC play. And I think they've got talent at some of those positions. So those are the ones that would jump out to me as SEC ready. So that is uh, Pine Mountain's question there as well. So remember, we're going to have um, plenty of coverage throughout the afternoon. We'll keep a close eye on Kennedy Chandler and what happens with him if he indeed does something later today. So keep an eye on that one. Sure to appreciate him taking some time and visiting with us uh, earlier this week out in Memphis. Hey, Talking to you earlier about blue water climate control, we all know summer heat is here. The most practical thing you can do to avoid wasting money this time of year is having your cooling system cleaned and tuned up. It's a fact that if you don't, your energy bills will be higher, and just like not tuning up your car, your system will be at greater risk for an expensive repair. That's why Blue Water's tune-up comes with two fantastic customer guarantees. 
First, if your system wasn't tuned up last year, they'll guarantee a $100 energy savings this summer, or they'll refund your $79.99 for the tune-up cost. Second, if they tune your system and it does need a repair this summer, you get a 20% discount. Speaking of repairs, Blue Water Climate Control is committed to doing the right repair the right way the first time. All of their repairs come with a one-year guarantee and a one-year warranty. Call Blue Water Climate Control at 865-299-2290 or book an appointment online. Go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Pick a day and time that works best for you. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Have a great rest of your Friday, everybody.